Hello, my name is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. My prayer for you is that this message would be meaningful to you, that it would challenge you, and that it would help you move forward in your faith. To be a part of all that we get to do here at Redefined Church, visit us online at churchredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to Summer Shorts. We are winding this thing down. Two weeks left, week 34 of the year. Taking our next step today in summer shorts, talking about the decline of devotion, part two. Last week, we answered the question, what leads to our lack of devotion? And kind of stair-stepped our way down and back up and looked at God's intentions. If you missed that message, you need to go back and get it. It's on YouTube right now. Discipline plays a huge part in our devotion. There was a time in my life when I was coaching that there would have, you could have talked to any number of people and told, they would have told you that I am one of the most disciplined people in the world. Now, Going through transition, having kids, priorities shifting and changing, I would tell you that I need work, that I need work. And, um, and being in a structured atmosphere where every hour of your day was accounted for made devotion real easy. I had a block of time and it was, you know, it is, it is and was what it was. And so then um, there's never been a part or a lack or, a, or, you know, I'm not perfect by any means. I mean, I missed over 40 days of journaling last year. And so... Um, so at the start of this summer, the focus for me was I need to check my devotion. One, I need to check my heart. We're coming upon uh, the end of year three here and, uh, and the mission and the call and the cause and why we're here. And so I really felt as we jumped into summer, man, I really need to check my heart and see where I was and notice there were some things that I was, that I was kind of trimming back or cutting back or deleting or, you know, because I didn't have time or I had this or that and, and managing and juggling all that inside of, you know, our current circumstances it's difficult. I think it's like that for everybody. I mean, depending on who you talk to and what they've come out of over the past 18 to 24 months, they would say the same, right? And so I wanted to check my heart. And so this has been a real great season of discipline for me, going back and checking those old journals and, and looking back. And, and when we stepped into January, we thought, you know, we need to go all in here. We're kind of stepping out of or coming through the pandemic. And even though it wasn't over, we sure thought it was, right? And so it's like, okay, let's, we're going to push everything in and let's let's refocus let's recenter ourselves and the reality is, is we didn't do that for six months and when the start of summer came around I thought wait a second we said we we're gonna do this in January and we didn't and it wasn't anything to do with the New Year's resolution or anything like that it was we're going to focus hundred percent on the call and the cause and we ended up getting lost in excuses and and reasons why we couldn't and so then with God there's always opportunity with God there's always hope especially when our faith and our hope are in the right in the right place right and so then 2 Corinthians, you look at 11, verse 3 today. This is our cornerstone scripture. I'm going to read four different versions of this because Paul tells us very clearly what tends to happen with our devotion. Here's what he says. This is the Amplified. He says, but I am afraid, this is Paul, but I am afraid that even as a serpent beguiled Eve by his cunning, your minds may be corrupted and led away from the simplicity of your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Paul says, hey, I'm concerned for you. I'm worried about you. The uh, contemporary English version says, but now I fear that you will be tricked just as Eve was tricked by the lying snake. I'm afraid that you might stop thinking about Christ in an honest and sincere way. The Holman says, but I fear that the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning. Your minds may be seduced from a complete and pure devotion to Christ. Paul's saying, I am worried about you. I'm worried about your devotion. I'm worried about where you could go. I'm worried that the enemy is going to deceive you. 
The NIV says, but I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Now, this is the greatest apostle that ever lived. This is Paul. And he says, let me tell you what I'm worried about. Let me tell you what I'm concerned about. I'm afraid that Satan, the devil, our enemy, right? There is good and evil. There's right and wrong. There's, there's good and bad, right? And he says, I'm afraid that the evil one is so good at deceiving you that he's going to lure you away, that he's going to draw you away. He's going to seduce you, corrupt you, lead you away from being simply, honestly, purely, and completely devoted to Jesus. That's what we see in those four versions. Now you can react and say, really? Really? And yes, really. Because when you see what he's saying, he's saying, I am afraid that he will tempt you, pull you away, just like he tricked or deceived Eve. When you think about Adam and Eve, you think they were perfect people. They were perfect people in a perfect society. Everything was perfect. Everything was perfect. Why? Because God said so. Because God said so. There wasn't anything evil or dark in the garden, in Eve, in Adam at this moment in time. And so Satan can deceive perfect people. Remember, perfect, if you're stuck on that, God made Adam, he made Adam in his image, and he made Eve in his image. Together they were made in the image of God. They were like God. They were perfect. Okay? Hasn't been that way since. And they, they messed perfection up pretty quickly, right? And so if Satan could deceive perfect people, do you think that he could deceive you? And if the answer to that is no, you need to revisit this question. Many people won't give Satan or the enemy, the devil, evil. They won't give evil credit. But it happens every day, and it's happening more and more every day. And what you see in the scripture, 2 Corinthians 11.3, is from cunning and corrupt, trickery and deception, is that's who the devil is. That is who the devil is. And we know as believers that God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is our comforter. Jesus is our Savior. He's our Redeemer. God is our Creator, that there is purpose and there's life in everything that we do. And, and the enemy, the devil, Satan wants to attack that. He wants to kill that. He wants to do anything but see that succeed. And what messes that all up, what hinders our relationship, what derails our devotion is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Our enemy, also known as the deceiver. And so this is what Satan does. And Paul says it. Paul says, this is what I'm worried about. This is what I'm worried about. If he could deceive Adam and Eve, perfect people, perfect society with a perfect relationship, I'm afraid that he can and I'm afraid that he will deceive you. We're talking about our devotion. We don't want to be deceived in our devotion to God. Now, there was no sin when Adam and Eve were deceived. This was the first. There was no bitterness. There was no anger. There was no rage. There was no malice. There was no hurt. There was no jealousy, there was no envy, there was no resentment, there was no doubt in God. There was no unbelief in God. There was nothing when this happened. And Satan was still able to deceive because he's good at it. Because he's good at it. It's what he does. We see in the context uh, we see this in the context of John 8, Jesus in what I perceive to be a pretty heated discussion here. We're going to pick up in verse 31 
And Jesus is speaking to the Jews. And he says this, he says, If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We all know this. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me. We're in John 8, verse 31. And here's 31 and 32. We're going to go right to 33. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins... Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave to sin has no permanent place in the family of God, but a son belongs to it, to sin forever. Verse 36, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Free from what? Free from sin because of Jesus. If you join us for communion today, you know exactly what we're talking about. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, he says. Yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. This is huge. You have no room for my word. You have no room for truth in your life is what he's saying. You have no room for truth in your life. I'm telling you what I've seen in the Father's presence and you are doing what you have heard from your father. And he's talking about the father of sin. They are deceived in this moment. They are deceived. So he's talking about the father of sin. Abraham, here's what they respond. Abraham is our father. They answered and he says, if you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would, do, you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. Verse 41, you are doing the works of your own father. You are being slaves of sin. He's calling them sons of Satan, right? Sons of a father who has deceived them, to which they respond, we are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. And Jesus says to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. Now we're back on the screen with verse 44. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out his desires. He was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. Yet, verse 45, because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any one of you prove me guilty of sin? Thought so. I am telling the truth. Why don't you believe me, he asks. Verse 47, whoever belongs to God, here's what God says. The reason that you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Heated discussion, right? And so the question is, why can many people not hear today? It's Matthew. If we fast forward to Matthew 11, 14 and 15, it says, If we are willing to accept it, then whoever has ears, let him hear. So then why can many people not hear God today? And the reason most people can't hear is simple. They're not willing to accept truth. Jesus says the truth, I am the way, the truth, the life. The truth will set you free. And the reason that people can't hear is because they're unsure of what they believe. They're being rocked back and forth. They're on that roller coaster of life, right? And because they've been deceived, their devotion is slowly eroded. It's being deleted. They're unsure what they believe. Why? Why? Because the enemy who prowls around like a lion, right? Remember this scripture? 
He wants you to question God's word. This is the number one thing that Satan does to get us to just step back just a second. He wants you to question God's word. Verse 37, remember what what, uh, Jesus says in verse 37. He says, because you have no room for my word, you have no room for truth in your life. What? Wait a second. Let's go back to the garden with perfect people. This is Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And again, if you want to follow along with me, totally good. It says, now the serpent, this is insane. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And the serpent said to the woman, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Remember, there's no sin. There's no deception. There's nothing at this time. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from all the trees in the garden, right? But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die, is what he says. Now, God did not say you can't touch it. He said, don't eat it. Do not eat that fruit, right? You will not certainly die, the serpent said said to the woman. So God never said you can't touch it. That's deception, right? And the reality is this. If he can get you to hold it, he can get you to eat it, right? It's easier if she holds it. For God knows, here's what he says. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, here's what's unique. Satan deceives her. God, Satan, the devil, evil, deceives her with an unbelievable lie. This is unbelievable. She was already like God. She is made in God's image. She is like God. So he tells her, if you eat it, you'll be like God. Well, she was already like God. Man, went right through it, right? Adam and Eve are made in God's image like God. So then, so this, this should have been, this would be thrown out of court, right? But this is how the devil gets you, okay? He gets you to think that God's holding out on you, right? That there's more, there's more, okay? If you just do this, right? You deserve better. You deserve better. If you just eat from that tree, you'll have more. You'll be like God, right? And more importantly, he makes you question God's word. Did God really say, did God really say that? And as long as the devil can get you to question God's word, you're in trouble. And if you're questioning God's word, are you really devoted to it? It's a challenging message today. If you're questioning God's word, are you, are you really devoted to it? So then verse six, it says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Now, wait a second. Adam's been there the whole time. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's just there. He's just there hanging out. She just, she didn't say, Hey, Hey babe. He's been there and he's there the whole time, obviously providing excellent leadership, right? And reality is like most men today. Mm-hmm. Sounds good to me. Yeah, let's do it. Right. And so then what you need to see is everything that they saw in the fruit, good, pleasing, desirable, that it gave wisdom. That was all a lie. And they knew at the moment they took a bite. Right. And that lie was sold to them. None of that was really in the fruit. And the reality is that this apple in the middle of the garden tasted just like the apple from across the way. Tastes the same. It's just a matter of obedience, right? And this is what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians 
I'm afraid that the devil, just how he deceived, tricked, how he was cunning with Eve, will do the same to you. And the devil wants you to believe that there is better. He wants you to believe that the grass is greener on the other side. That somewhere else, it's better. That whatever you don't have will be enough when you have it, when you get it. Right? And he constantly says, if you'll do this, you'll be happy. If you do this, you'll be happy. And that's a lie. That's a lie. Ask anyone who's in debt up to their ears if they're happy because of a purchase they made because they believed it was going to bring some type of happiness. Ask somebody on their fourth, fifth, sixth, tenth marriage if they're happy. They're going to tell you. They're going to tell you it's a lie. And the truth is, is the grass is not greener on the other side or anywhere else. You just need to water your grass. You just need to water your grass. And what's crazy is most of us want the product of devotion without investing the time it takes to be devoted. I'm going to say it again. Most of us want the product of devotion without investing the time it takes to be devoted. The reality is, is to be devoted takes discipline, takes care. Discipline is a decision, and it's available to everyone. Now, here's what's awesome. The root meaning of discipline is Latin. Discipline comes from discipulus or discipulus, depending on what part of the country you come from, which is a Latin word for pupil, which provides the source for the word disciple, which means a follower of Jesus. Be disciplined. Be devoted. Now, there's several meanings for the word discipline, and we've came a long way, but the root is disciple. Disciple. And we can all say that we're disciples, right? It's real easy to do that. And we can say we're devoted, but devotion takes discipline. Being a disciple takes that connection, right? We've been talking about it all summer. Lack of discipline leads to distraction. This is the reality. Lack of discipline leads to distraction. What are those distractions? It's deception. That opens the door for you to be deceived. It's easy to be deceived and easier to be distracted when you don't have any discipline. So then how do you beat the decline of devotion? How do you keep from being deceived? Let's look at James 4, 7. There's two points here if you're taking notes. James 4, 7 says this. It's simple. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Stand firm against him and he will flee from you. Yeah, yeah. Heard that before. Synonyms for submit. Bow. Surrender. Say uncle. Put it there for you. It's funny. Say uncle. Commit. Commit isn't what all of these are saying is devote yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now let's look at Galatians 5, 16 through 26. Lots of scripture today. If you're taking notes, write that down. Screenshot that. Here we go. 16, Galatians 5, 16. So I say, now what are, what are we talking about, Dusty? How do we beat the decline of devotion? Submit to God. Devote yourself to God. Two, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. What am I saying? When you're tempted with better, greener, more, etc., choose to walk by what's inside of you instead of walking by what's outside of you or walking with what's outside of you. Verse 17, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit... What is contrary to the flesh? They are in conflict with each other constantly. 
so that you are not to do whatever you want. What are we saying? There's a spiritual war happening around you 100% of the time. Do not be deceived. Devote yourself. Resist the devil and he will flee. Verse 18, but, big but here, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We're walking in love. Jesus paved the way. Verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. We talked about all this to start the message. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factors, envy, drunkenness, etc. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who look like what? Those who are living deceived, thinking that the answers lie in this. The answers inside of these things lead to a seventh marriage. They lead to debt over your ears. They lead to payments out the walls. They lead to bigger houses than you need and fancier things. And all the things that we find in our material goods that are around us that we think are going to bring us happiness, and they don't. From the RV to the boat to whatever's in the garage. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Why? But, but the fruit of the Spirit... You want to know what to walk around with? You want to know what to, what to strive for, what to work for? Here's what you work for. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against these things. There's no law. If you walk in these things, and the root of all of them is love. Those who belong to Jesus, verse 24, those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Let us not be deceived. Let us not be deceived. So there's two things I said. What was it? Devote yourself to God. Keep in step with the Spirit. Devote yourself to God. Keep in step with the Spirit. Let's recap. How do you know you're being deceived? It's a slow, steady decline. You wouldn't say I'm on the decline. You wouldn't say that your devotion is any better. But how do you know you're being deceived? If you read anything that contradicts the Word of God, you're being deceived. That's the first thing the devil wants you to do. You sure God said that? If somebody says something to you that contradicts the word of God, you're being deceived. God's word never changes, period. What's the biggest way Satan tries to deceive you? He makes you question God's word. Did he really say that? Did he really say that? And the moment you start questioning God's word, you're on a path to deception, and that leads to the decline of your devotion, right? Just, a little, just one step farther away as of being right there closer. Devote yourselves. Keep in step. So in the today, if you do not know God's word, it's easy. It's a lot easier for you to be deceived if you don't know God's word. And if you're deceived, you don't know God's word, then you're on that roller coaster of emotion. And you're chasing what's impossible instead of living for what's eternal. You're chasing what's impossible that's never going to give you the answer. The freedom, the joy, the peace, the kindness, the patience, all the things that you're, that you're after in a thing, those are never going to come. Those are never going to come because they're impossible. You can get them, you can attain them, but they're not going to bring what you're expecting. Devote yourself to God. Keep in step with the Spirit. Live for what's eternal. Your action step today is this. Begin getting to know God's Word. So you can be proactive in your life as opposed to reactive. So you can live life on offense as opposed to living life on defense. It changes, it changes your whole perspective. Things start becoming real positive, okay? You can start in the Gospels. 
Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that God gave you revelation, that you were enlightened, and that you can see more of what God has for you. Make sure you take this message one step further by following through with our action steps so you can grow deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about who we are or what's happening here at Redefined Church, you can visit us online at churchredefined.com. You can follow us on social media at Redefined Church, or you can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Vimeo, or Apple. Thanks for allowing me to be part of your life. I'll talk to you soon.